Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com, the tool that makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Website creation is hard, but now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and goals, and the Wondersuite tools will automatically lay out your WordPress website or store in minutes. Seriously. From there, you can customize your design, pick your brand colors and add blocks, no custom theme or coding required. You'll get content suggestions that you can keep or revise. And with Yoast SEO built in, we automatically help you get found in search engines. From step-by-step guidance to suggested plugins to an AI-powered help bot, our built-in tools make WordPress wonderful for everyone. Whether you're a beginner or a pro, you can join over 2 million Bluehost users. Go to bluehost.com slash wondersuite. That's bluehost.com slash wondersuite. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This program is a paid commercial announcement and in no way represents the views of WPHT or its management. This is Women to Watch. To rise above all of the noise and fulfill every last one of your dreams. Women to Watch, sharing the real stories of the most accomplished women in the world. It is for those frightened children who want peace. It is for those voiceless children who want change. Being inspired by women from across the globe who are encouraging more women to pursue their dreams. True philanthropy comes from living from the heart of yourself and giving what you have been given. Now, Women to Watch. Here's your host, Sue Rocco. Good evening, everyone, and welcome back to another week of Women to Watch here on Talk Radio 1210 WPHT. I'm so thrilled to be back in the studio, and this evening I have a really wonderful guest with me. Uh, joining me in just a few minutes is Olympia Colasante. Olympia is uh, Vice President of American Airlines here in Philadelphia, and she is with me to share her story. Her career has been what I consider a true inspiration for any woman looking to enter a field that was traditionally led by men. So we're going to hear her story in just a few moments. Uh, Before we get started, I am very excited to announce we will have a brand new contributor to the show this evening. Making her debut will be Hanadi Shehabedin. And Hanadi is an international speaker who will be with us every week talking about the negative perception of Muslims in media And she'll be presenting positive stories that reflect what she says are the honest contributions of Muslims in America. So it's going to be a very um, interesting and exciting series that we're going to have every week. And as always, be sure to visit us at womentowatch.net to find out all things related to the show. That's women, the number two, watch.net, N-E-T. So now I'd like to welcome to the show Olympia. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you. I'm thrilled to be here. Thank you for having me. I'm going to mention that you flew in today and you're flying out, um, which is something I guess you're quite 
um, used to being in the aviation field and um, something that is exhausting to me traveling. But you look well rested and uh, <laughs> we'll try to try to get through the interview. Um, I wanted to mention to the listeners that you're originally from Ottawa, Canada. I am. And um, you grew up with mom and dad and, and one of three. You have a brother and a sister. Um, tell me a little bit about those years and what kind of influence uh, your parents had on your career path. Sure. So my, my mom and dad are, of course, Italian, but they are first-generation Italian. Um, and my brother and sister and I watched my parents work very hard throughout their lives, sometimes having two and three jobs at a time to care for us. But it, it made me, I think, a stronger person, a better person, because I appreciated what my parents were doing for me. And I saw what the value of hard work uh, really produced and, and what it meant. But my parents also encouraged me, as well as my brother and sister, to do all that we can do, that we were not limited or um, without resources like they were. And so that um, telling us that we, we had the world at our hands and that whatever we thought of, whatever we dreamt of, we could pursue that because we did not have the same limitations that they did. Mm. And that is something that I think um, made me and, and made me want to keep you know, to, to look to do bigger and better things because I I had the ability that my parents didn't have. Yeah, and how about education? Was that something they talked about regularly in the house? Yes, absolutely. It was a must that we had to go to school, and so I actually went to the University of Ottawa. Okay. Um, I love this story um, about your very first visit to an airport, and really that was a spark for you. Um, tell, tell the listeners about what happened and, and how that really was the catalyst for your career. Yeah, so, so when I was 13 years old, uh, my parents took us on our very first uh, airplane trip, and we, we went to Italy, of course. <laughs> and at the airport, uh, we were at the airport in Montreal. And when I, when I was at the airport, I, I was just amazed and, and excited. I mean, I could feel in me a change and this electricity of being watching all the people in uniform, watching all the hustle bustle, the airplanes, and I absolutely loved it. But my mom, too, noticed that I, I became different and that I had this excitement. In fact, she said I had a sparkle in my eye at the airport, and I remember her saying that maybe someday when I got older, I, too, could work in an airport since I seemed to be so excited by being in mine. <laughs> and that always stuck with me. And so I, I, I knew that someday I wanted to end up in, a, in an airport. Yeah. Now, was it the busyness of the people hustling and bustling and all the different types of people, or was it the airplanes and, and, and what was happening there? You know, it was a combination of everything. I mean, I, I loved the airplanes, um, but I did like the hustle and bustle, and I liked the people in uniforms, and I liked that people came and went. And then even when I, I saw the different destinations that were posted on all the, the gate boards, I, I thought, wow, you know, how cool is that to go to all those places? And, and these people that work here get to feel, even though they're not in those places, but they kind of get to feel it because they have passengers that are going there because they have to know something about those places. And so all of it, all of it was just exciting to me. Yeah. So you began your career in Canada um, in 1986. And 
I think this is another pivotal moment to your story was um, when you decided you were going to apply to become a ticket agent. And um, you scored a perfect 100 on the test, which had never been done before. And so, of course, the higher-ups got wind of that and called you in. And what did you say to him in that meeting? Yeah, so so when they told me that I apparently aced this exam and that I was the first ever at their company to do so, uh, they asked me what I wanted to do because maybe I, I could do something different than to be the part-time ticket agent, which is what I had hired and trained for at that point. Um, and and I, I was surprised by all of that, really, at the time. So the first answer that came came to me, uh, which, as I reflect now, I think was rather brazen of me to say it, but I did say that, well, I'd have your job if you let me have it. <laughs> and, of course, he said, well, you can't have it today, but I can help you get it. And so he did. He, he did. Yeah, that's a perfect example of, you know, ask for what you want. Right. True. Sometimes people are afraid to make the ask, and if you don't, it's always no. You know, I, I, it's funny you say that because I actually believe in that a lot, and I don't know that I would always associate it back to that example, but that's one of many that I can say in my time, and even for me personally, but how I've, I've uh, watched and heard of lo- a lot of other people along my way that if you ask for something, it's true. That's you, you stand good chances of getting it. Or a lot of times people don't get things because they don't ask. And so you'll never know until you ask. And even if the answer is no, usually you'll get the why as well. Mm-hmm. And the why will help you to what you need to do next so that the next time you ask it, the answer is not no. And you, you make progress. Either which way you make progress. Yeah, that's that's great, great advice. Um, when we come back, I want to talk about how you've consistently advanced um, in your career and um, where, did, where that drive came from. Stay with us in the break, and you're going to hear from Hanadi Shehabuddin for our Diversity Watch. You're listening to Women to Watch. This is the Women to Watch Diversity Watch. Today we're going to talk about an amazing way to break the ice and be ahead of the conversation with the simple magic of a warm welcome. Assalamu alaikum, or peace be upon you, is the way Muslims greet others, verbally expressing the commitment to be a source of peace and comfort to others. And it starts right at the encounter by giving away a warm welcome with a heartfelt grin. It is a way to send good and positive vibes regardless of how the other person receives it. We have all had those occasional super exciting mornings when just one person went out of their way to make us feel special. Quote, when you're greeted with a greeting, respond with a better greeting or return it. God keeps count of everything. End quote. That was verse 86 in chapter 2 in the Quran. Positivity is contagious. And a warm greeting goes a long way in changing people's perception about us and will spread peace in our communities. Even in the case of a charged relationship, a warm welcome expresses good intentions and willingness to move forward. These are specifically important when there is a lack of communication or disagreement. It just keeps people connected to their good side and almost catches them by surprise. A good surprise, of course. Could it be considered hypocrisy? Maybe. 
but as long as the person is doing this for his or her own benefit, believing that this is the right way to greet people, regardless of differences, it shouldn't really matter. This is what Muslims believe in, and what remains is their commitment and choice to follow the application of this great prophetic ethic in their daily life. This is Hanadi. Connect with me on HanadiSpeaksOut.com. Since 1858, Mount St. Joseph Academy has been educating girls to be leaders, founders, and independent thinkers. Students are taught to be collaborative, courageous, compassionate, confident, and spiritual. In this student-centered environment, the young women are transformed by recognizing their own potential and are encouraged to use it to make a difference in the world. To learn more about Mount St. Joseph Academy, go to www.msjacad.org or call 215-233-3177. That's msjacad.org or 215-233-3177. This is Women to Watch with Sue Rocco, Talk Radio 1210 WPHD. Thanks for joining us this evening. I'm joined uh, tonight by Olympia Colasante. She is the vice president of American Airlines, the Philadelphia hub uh, operations here in Philadelphia. And uh, just before the break, I was mentioning the fact that you really have consistently advanced. We'll start, we were talking about you're applying to be a ticket agent, which I guess it, you know, is one of the lower rungs on the on the um, the wheel of aviation. And now you're the vice president of an entire um, Philadelphia hub. So I want to know where that drive came from, and particularly because it was a very male-dominated industry. You were often in a room and the only woman at the table. Talk about that. So so I think uh, the drive might have been natural, so I don't know that I would have defined it as drive. I think that I had a passion for it. Um, because I loved it. I absolutely loved every aspect of this job. And as I I did it more and more, I, I was getting my satisfaction and my reward from helping people, whether they were customers, because obviously we, we help customers. And so I, I felt really good when I went home at the end of the day, having helped customers. And that made me want to do more and more. And I would literally at night think of creative things that I could do the next day to surprise customers and to to help customers. And then the same with the the people that I worked with, whether they were, in, uh, you know, people in my span of care or they were my peers. I, I liked helping them too, or I liked making some sort of positive impact on them, whether it was that, that people in my span of care actually got promoted because that was my, my biggest satisfaction and my biggest um, accomplishment is to see people get promoted. That, mm-hmm. that was my biggest uh, goal. Um, but wh- whether it was that, somebody getting promoted, or it was somebody coming to work and wanting to work harder or to do more or to do better or to go home at night and say, you know, I really liked my day today and I really like coming to work. That for me was the biggest motivation. It was the, it was the biggest success. And as I, I worked each day, I actually went home with 
more and more stories that I can tell of people that I really did help, and uh, whether they were customers or, as I say, they were my peers. And so that made me want to do more. So I, I think it was a passion, and it was this feeling of really making a difference in other people's lives. Mm. That's a I would say that's a confidence that you seem to have from a very young age, that that ability to go out on your own and try new things. Um, I want to share a quote with you. Um, You said most of the skepticism about my success was not from my superiors. It came from my peers. Why was that the case? You know, um, well, I, again, I, I don't know that I, I would say skepticism. I think um, what I felt along the way sometimes is that that other women felt limited in what they could do. And sometimes, even, even to the point that, that several of them actually told me that I was wasting my time in doing extra work or in volunteering for other projects and in, in thinking I was wasting my time in doing all that extra work because this was a male-dominated industry, and so I was never really going to advance, and therefore I should stop wasting my time doing this extra work. And so, I, but, but I never believed that. I never believed that, nor did I let it influence me. And I tried with every conversation I could to to encourage the other women that it really wasn't so. I mean, it may have been so. I don't know way back when, but it, I never felt it to be that any time in my career. Do you think that some of those women watched your progress then and your success and hopefully, you know, changed their own mindset about it? Yes, yes. Did yes. they and did they share that with you? Uh, yes. The I mean, you know, I moved around a lot. So yes. so as I I saw people again in in my time, they would say that oh well, I see that things are being different for you. Things are being different, and so I always explained that yes, things were being different, but it wasn't because I was a female, right? It, it had nothing to do with being a female. It had to do with um, with the work that I did or the way that I felt about things. In fact, I think the attitude was was probably one of the helpful things, right? That, as I say, I, I mean, there was passion, but my attitude, too, was that it wasn't about, um, I, I didn't look at myself as being a woman and, and not a man, and therefore there was some difference in that. I thought that the difference ought to be in you learn, you know, you learn as much as you can, and you set yourself apart from your peers through what the work that you do, through what you're learning, and how you can therefore contribute because of the work that you're doing. Mm. And sometimes that means you, you do extra work, but you learn more things and you contribute more, and that's what gets noticed after is your contribution and the difference in your contribution versus your peers. Mm-hmm. That's what makes you single get singled out. Right. You know, before um, before we started, we were talking a little bit about you mentioned in the beginning of the show, your Italian heritage. And um, traditionally, there's a perception that women, you know, will get married and have children and raise a family and um, maybe even stay close to home. You did not do that. You you know, you did the opposite. Um, Was that difficult? Yeah. So, in fact, 
if anything, that might have been my biggest difficulty um, because I, I went against the grain, I guess, of what Italian families do and what the firstborn daughter does, for sure, because I moved away from home and I pursued a career uh, instead of staying home and getting married and having children and doing that route. <laughs> yeah, hold that. Thought. Okay. We'll talk a little bit more about it when we come back from the break. Stay with us for Dr. Mary and Richie's Health Watch and Holly Dowling for our Leadership Watch. Now, the women to watch Health Watch. From Jefferson University Hospital, I'm Dr. Marianne Ritchie. Flu season. Influenza virus causes highly contagious illness at any age, usually in winter, we're indoors in close contact. Each virus has proteins on the surface labeled H or N that let the virus attack cells in your airway, multiply, and spread. The most common strains in humans, H1N1 and H3N2, But there are many strains which can change and spread quickly, causing outbreaks across the country or even the world. And that's why it's hard to create a vaccine each year. Symptoms, headache, fever, cough, muscle aches, fatigue, spreading very easily by coughing, sneezing, or even touching surfaces. Usually lasts two to five days, but weakness and fatigue can last for weeks. Severe cases may need the hospital, more likely in pregnant women, children under age five, people over age 65, nursing homes, those with diabetes, lung, or heart disease, or weakened immune systems like HIV or transplant patients. The most common complications, pneumonia. Some even have inflammation of the brain, spinal cord, and can even be associated with heart attack. See your doctor immediately if you're short of breath, have chest pain or pressure, feel dehydrated, you're dizzy and not urinating, if a patient is confused and can't keep liquids down, or if a child has bluish skin, is irritable, has fever with rash, or can't be awakened easily, The Center for Disease Control says the best way to prevent flu is to get the vaccine each year, everyone six months of age and older. Flu season as early as October can last till May, usually peaks between December and February. Takes about two weeks for the vaccine to work, so get it early in the fall, definitely by end of October. Later can still help even into January. Children age eight and under may need two doses given four weeks apart. For those at high risk, Tamiflu and other drugs can prevent or shorten the course but it must be taken within 48 hours of onset of symptoms to work. So divas, get your vaccine and wash your hands. Do you have a financial advisor who you trust that looks at you as more than just a number? At the Foley Hillsley Group, that person is Kristen Hillsley. Kristen's team has a different approach to managing your wealth called the Panorama Process. This unique process helps you obtain your financial goals easily because it's more than just investments, it's about you. To learn more, visit their website at fhbaird.com or call 610-238-6636. The Foley-Hilsey Group is affiliated with Robert W. Baird & Company, Incorporated Member SIPC. Log on to fhbaird.com to learn more. That's fhbaird.com. So if you need a financial advisor you can trust, Call Kristen Hillsley at 610-238-6636. That's 610-238-6636. 
Introducing Pathways Consulting Group, a company that will align your IT needs with your business goals. Pathways is a full-service ServiceNow partner. What does that mean? It's simple. Pathways will collaborate and design, develop, and deploy solutions for your company today that will define tomorrow. Pathways will provide world-class enterprise service management solutions. Pathways Consulting Group. They listen. They care. They execute. Go to PathwaysCG.com. That's PathwaysCG.com. Hi, everybody. Holly Dowling here, your Leadership Watch. And today I'm excited and passionate about something that I think we don't take seriously enough, and I'm going to call it triggers. So as a leader out there, and you know, I'm passionate about empowering leaders and rekindling the spirit and privilege of leading others. And one of the simplest and actually easiest things to do, we don't do. We don't even take the time to think about the topic today, which is triggers. So where does triggers come from? It comes from engagement. As I always say, everyone wants to know what's the secret sauce to driving engagement on my teams and in my organizations? What's the secret sauce to creating a culture of trust? Well, first and foremost, I'm going to talk about triggers. What is a trigger? You want to trigger the best out of your people. You want to actually figure out what levers and triggers to actually create and find in someone's entire essence to bring out the best of them? Or are you absolutely doing nothing with people's triggers and not even thinking about it and you're shutting them down? So first trigger, do you know the most productive time of day for the people that are on your teams? What about you? Are you a morning bird or are you a night owl? And if you're a morning bird, are you assuming that everybody on your team is a morning bird? Have you ever asked? Because let me tell you, those night owls, you want to get the boat most out of them, you better know the triggers, the most productive time of day. How about time and attention and intensity of attention? Some people love to be micromanaged because they feel they're getting your attention. Other people, on the other hand, want to scream and shake and say, you don't need to suffocate me. I don't need to be micromanaged. So level of management and attention that's required. How about type of environment? Do people like to have music playing and noise around them, or do they need silence? These are simple triggers that so many of us miss. So you want to create the best environment, start thinking about their triggers. Let me know at hollydowling.com. You're listening to Women to Watch with Sue Rocco on Talk Radio 1210 WPHD. I'm talking this evening with Olympia Colasante. I love to say that, Colasante, uh, Vice President of American Airlines uh, Philadelphia Operations. And um, I mentioned, you know, one of the personal challenges for you was going against the grain of your Italian parents, grandparents. And, um, you know, I think that's probably the case for many women who want to um, perhaps, I don't want to say have it all because, right, there is no all. Um, but talk a little bit about how you managed to do that and stay true to yourself. I left home. So as I say, that was a big thing to, to leave home and to move to Philadelphia of all places. I, I, for a split second at the beginning, I was actually scared, right? Because I, I didn't know for one, I, I didn't know what I was going into. I didn't know what life was going to be like, not just in that I'm I'm starting a new job, I'm in a new place, but I'm also having to deal with the personal side of it that I'm now coming by myself. And everything that I knew and 
as a support system or everything that I knew and had as my safety net was no longer with me. So for a split minute, I I was actually scared. But then I thought, you know, okay, lots of people do this, and so I I could do it too. And and I don't know, as, as soon as I began working and I I came into the new environment. I, I think, again, it's because I loved it. I absolutely loved it that the thought of being scared or the thought of being alone or the thought that I couldn't do it just never entered my mind. It, it, it never had anything to do with it. And so then I realized that, okay, I, I can handle this. And if I don't think about it even, that's probably the best thing. And, and so I never did. And I never looked back. And then things just kept moving and getting bigger and better. And then I thought, okay, this is me. This yeah. is me. And I Where I I'm supposed this. to be. Right. Where I'm supposed to be. And my parents were very supportive and very happy. And so they still were my safety net. And they still were my support system, just not in the same country as me. Right. But it was okay. <laughs> yeah. It's okay. So was there a little bit of you that wanted to, because you were doing something different from what they had envisioned? Um, that you thought, gosh, I really need to be successful. I really need to prove. Yes, you know. yes. So there, there was that a lot yeah. um, because yes, I, I went so much against the grain that I, I felt like I had to prove that I didn't make a mistake and that this was the right thing. So um, I, I was under pressure from my family's standpoint, I guess, for a while. And, and even work-wise, though, because even when I moved to the United States, I, I was um, the first person, too, that was sponsored to come to the United States. And so I did. I felt this pressure that I, I had to prove that I was worth it, right, and that it was, it was not a mistake. Mm-hmm. And so that, that just made me want to work harder. But as I said, I then realized that working harder just meant that I learned more. And by learning more, that's what made me different. And that's what led to successes because I learned more than other people were learning, than than my peers were. Um, You know, I I guess I forced myself to do it, but it was was leading to success. And then the other big thing was that taking care of people is really what led to success because if you take care of the people that are in your span of care and take people take care of the people that you work with there there's no failing there there really is no failing and so i i learned early that it was never about me it was about the team that i was with it was about the environment that i was in cuz in in my in my time too i've i've actually moved 15 times right right so yeah. so the environment was different the people were different and i i used to call myself the chameleon because everywhere i went i didn't bring that it was my way and that we were going to do this my way because it worked well in the last place so it's going to work this way what i i learned was i have to be a chameleon i have to learn what the people are feeling here what the people care about here and i'm going to do what the people care about here and that felt good it it really did it it felt good and so 
you know, I, I, I don't even know that I ever looked at what's my next move, what's my next promotion. It's, it just was, how can I go home tonight and feel good about what happened today? Mm-hmm. And did I have some positive impact on people's lives today? And if I did that and I could mentally recap who I influenced in a good way, that was my, that's all I needed that that's all I needed. Were you ever intimidated by the numbers? Because um, there was a time when you were leading a team of 8,000 employees, um, serving 60,000 customers, and um, managing 400 departures a day. So those are big numbers. Yeah, they're, they're big numbers, but they weren't intimidating. What it's, um, if anything, it's that unfortunately, I couldn't help all of those people every day, right? And then I I had to come to terms with that, right? That I can't be all things to all people all the time. So if I at least go home today and I can count up the ones that I did do some help to or that I I did some positive impact to, that's okay. And in fact, even to my team, you know, I would tell them things are sometimes have to work in baby steps, right? Or it's winning one person over at a time or helping one person over at a time. And that's how you get bigger and better. So it's okay. It's still moving forward. It's still progress. Tell me how you handle putting out fires, because in in the airline industry, every day there's um, unexpected occurrences, things happening. What is your um, philosophy for that? You know, I I don't th- take those things personal, right? Uh, so that I can stay. Um, I I think if I look at things in the third party when it when it's a problem right if i look at it in the third party then i can be rational about it for lack of a better way to explain it and so when i'm rational about it i i can have the a thought process and sometimes you know it's not the ends up not being the right thing but if i can justify it to myself that i did what i believed was right then it's okay. And generally, when you do what's right or what you believe to be right, you you don't go wrong. Mm. Yeah, right. You can't look at the big picture. It's too overwhelming, right? Just do the next right thing. Right, exactly. <laughs> We're going to take another break for our sponsors and stay with us. You're going to hear from Carol Weinman for our Legal Watch. I'll be right back. You're listening to Women to Watch with Sue Rocco. Now the Women to Watch Legal Watch. Hi, this is Carol Weinman with Legal Watch. If you're like most people, you have no idea how to go about choosing a lawyer. Sometimes the need is put upon you or you're planning ahead. It may be that you're concerned your rights have been violated or you're arrested or you need a contract drafted or a divorce agreement written or you're proactively looking to create a will. Which lawyer to use requires a much different inquiry than one employed when shopping for a plumber or where to buy your next computer? Okay, so let's look on where to place your focus and what you need to ask. Does the lawyer practice in this area of law? So many people think a lawyer knows every area of law. Would you go to a rheumatologist if you're having heart problems? It's no different with deciding on a lawyer. Is the lawyer responsive? And most importantly, does this lawyer understand the facts unique to your case? That often means the lawyer must understand the client and that client's needs. No two clients are exactly alike. 
I was called in as a legal consultant on a case where a man on the autism spectrum was arrested for sexual assault. When it came time for his trial, his lawyer had no idea how to prepare him for the courtroom. He also didn't understand much of why the client acted the way he did, nor did the lawyer even know how to talk to his client. Because of my years as a trial attorney and understanding this client, I was able to anticipate possible problems that could arise in the courtroom and advise this client how to act. I even provided him with tools to manage his anxiety while sitting next to his lawyer. Furthermore, I could easily assess the kind of witness he might be, and I knew the most effective way the jury would understand this client's mindset and behavior. Settle for nothing less than a lawyer who understands you and your needs. For more information, contact me at WeinmanLawOffice.com or call 215-591-3614. Attorney and leading autism expert Carol Weinman offers one-of-a-kind solutions to your legal and autism needs. Recognized nationwide as the one and only autism legal expert, Weinman delivers exceptional results. Weinman is a master at putting together pieces to create a remarkable outcome. Contact Weinman at 215-591-3614 or at autismlegal.com. That's autismlegal.com. Carol Weinman, the leading nationwide expert autism attorney. Who is Holly Dowling? Holly is a dynamic keynote speaker and inspirational thought leader. You see what we have the ability to do and the power we have. You hold the power for good. Each and every one of us can do something. Holly has inspired millions around the world, including over 500,000 executives. And her show is listened to in 87 countries. Now we're going to spend 25 minutes on your areas of opportunity. Listen to our internationally acclaimed podcast, A Celebration of You, Holly Dowling, empowering those who can change the world. HollyDowling.com. Now more of Women to Watch with Sue Rocco. Talk Radio 1210 WPHT. Thanks for being with us this evening. I'm, I'm really enjoying my conversation with Olympia Colasante, uh, Vice President of American Airlines. And I want to talk about diversity and inclusion because I read a number, it made me happy, 42% of all management roles at American Airlines are female. And that's, right. a, that's a good number. Um, I don't know whether you know the statistics for other airlines, but talk to me about why uh, it's important to have more women in, in those top spots. Yeah, so I, I don't know off the top of my head the statistics for the other airlines, but I do know that American is a, a leader in diversity and inclusion. But we wholeheartedly believe in diversity and inclusion because we understand that we will only be better and richer and smarter if we have uh, thoughts and input from all cultures and from all over the world, really. We, we are a global airline. We fly all over the world. And so we value the contributions of the entire world, right? We, we understand that the world is not created equal, and that's a really good thing. So we don't want to make them equal. Um, so so we, we do lots of things, and I wholeheartedly believe in that, too. And this is one thing where I think for me, it's it's natural because even in Canada, growing up, um, Canada was and is a very multi-ethnic 
country. And so diversity and inclusion of all kind was always encouraged. In fact, so much so that I grew up not even really talking about it, but knowing that all my classmates came from various parts of the world and it was okay. And they had differences and we all shared in each other's um, cultures or differences and, and people told stories all the time. So I thought it was exciting to for, for people to be different. And, and frankly, I thought that that's the way the whole world was, that Right. We, we have diversity and inclusion of all, all kinds. And then I, I realized that e- even in the airline world in my younger day, it wasn't as uh, diverse and, and inclusive. Um, and so but but over the years, it's evolved immensely. And as I say, in today's world, I, I think most industries are very well aware of the value of diversity and inclusion. But we we are leaders in it. We we believe in it wholeheartedly and I am hopeful that someday we don't even need to talk about it because it's just the norm Mm. it's just the norm and it's not even noticed right we won't need these initiatives any longer because it's it's happening organically absolutely yeah absolutely so when you think about your time in the so that was the 80s starting out mid to late 80s for you and here we are 2018 would you how would you categorize um how far we've come because some people have different views or say we still have so long to go depending on the industry they're in and others feel gosh you know we've come a long long way and i don't notice yeah so i i think we have come a long way in the airline world or at least the parts of it that i've been exposed to which i think are a lot um because when i did start back in the 80s it was not uncommon for the meetings that i went to they were if there were 20 people in a room 30 people in a room so 19 out of 20 were men and i was the only female or 29 out of 30 were men and i was the only female so it was extremely obvious that did you like the fact that you did you feel you know almost an advantage being the only or, or uh, were you in no, not not an advantage, but I, I didn't feel intimidated by it either. What I felt was this pressure again that I had to prove why I was there, right, and that um, that that I was there because I had learned or because I I could hold my own with the the men in the room, right. So I, it didn't um, it didn't intimidate me, but as I say, it did make pressure. And that was part of what started, actually, that I I thought that I had to read all the manuals. I, I went to all the training classes that I could go to. In fact, I went to them on my own time because I wanted to learn as much as possible so that I never gave anybody the opportunity to say that I didn't deserve to be in that room, right, or that I was only in the room because they needed a token female. I, I wanted to be in the room because I, I deserved to be in the room and right. that I, I could do anything that that my fellow male peers could do and you had the knowledge you were so proactive in educating yourself well right but as i say yes because i i did part because i i felt pressured to do that but that's where i learned that doing all these extra things were actually working in my favor right Mm -hmm. they they were helpful to me Mm -hmm. so that just made me want to learn more and and to do more so that that was back in the 80s though yes that as i said i i would be the only female in a room that was not uncommon but over the years then you know became more and more and today today i mean there are 
just as many women or as there are men, sometimes there are more men uh, and more females than there are men. So it's not something that's uh, even, for me, noticeable or something that I would count for sure. Mm. Well, listen, that's a great way to end the show on a positive note. And I thank you so much for coming in and sharing you. your story. Thank you. It really inspirational. Absolutely fantastic. Thank you. Thanks. Stay with us and you're going to hear from Mary Manzo for our Tech Watch. We'll be right back. Now, the women to watch. Tech Watch. Hi, I'm Mary Manso of Pathways Consulting Group. The last couple of weeks, my segments have been about the lack of women in the technology industry and why it matters and what are some of the steps to closing the gap. To recap, when men and women work together, their complementary traits create innovation in the workplace. And although more companies are including women in their technology roadmap, the percentages of women earning computer science degrees keeps decreasing. To break the cycle, we have to address the issue top-down and bottom-up together. Last week, I spoke about the top-down. This week, I'll talk about the bottom-up. A psychologist friend told me, because boys and girls are wired differently, boys will naturally excel in technology education. That answer bothered me. I didn't like it, and I refused to believe it. So off I went to do some research. My daughter, who works in the educational system K-12, through provided me with information that gave me hope. Through 21st century learning, the approach to the information age is revolutionizing the way boys and girls learn starting in preschool through 12th grade. The focus is on the skills necessary to succeed in future jobs. When 21st century learning was being formed, business leaders were asked what skills the future employee would need. The response was employees will need to think critically and creatively, collaborate with others, solve problems, lead, and make decisions. Therefore, 21st century core focus is on learning, literacy, and life. Now add STEM learning to 21st century learning. STEM stands for science, technology, engineering, and math. Across the country, elementary schools are incorporating computer science and STEM learning at the preschool age and up without any gender bias. The way students are being taught at a very early age is much different than the way we were taught and takes the future of work into consideration and eliminates gender bias. As example, the new new math, it's taught in such a way that it doesn't matter how a boy or girl is wired. This is music to my ears and is one of the ways I believe the top down and bottom up approach will shorten the gender gap and bring more women into the technology industry. What are your thoughts? Email me at mary at pathwayscg.com. That's it, everyone, for another week of Women to Watch here on Talk Radio, 1210 WPHT. A big thank you to our watch team of contributors for their segments. And thank you, as always, to our sponsors for helping us to bring you the real story behind her title. Have a great week, everyone. This program is a paid commercial announcement and in no way represents the views of WPHT or its management. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.